Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to All About the Questions. I am so excited to be here with you. Um, you know, it is November. It is... Well, you know, I probably shouldn't say that because, you know, it might not be November for you when you listen to this on the podcast, but here live on iHeartRadio, it is November and um, it's been an interesting five, six weeks for me, as you all know. Thank you. Thank you again, everyone, for all your lovely thoughts and prayers and emails and cards um, about the loss of my mom. And, you know, I've been packing up my mom's condo to get it ready to rent. And during that process, even though mom lived with me for six years, there were things that we left there that we didn't need. And, you know, it's empty out the linen closets, the kitchen cabinets, um, stuff that you find that, I mean, I found an ashtray that my dad used when he was very young, not young, when I was very young at our house in Yonkers. And, you know, I'd totally forgotten about this thing, but somehow it was found as we unpacked, unloaded closets and cabinets. And it just took me right back to days with my dad, with his cigars and the pipe and, and all of that. And found my mom's cookbook, which I've been looking for for over three years, and it was finally found. So those are really special things. But it started me thinking about clutter, about organization, about how we <coughs> integrate things when somebody passes or when we move. I've moved a number of times over the course of my life, not only my personal house, but um, business offices, and I've changed jobs, and I've sold companies. And there's this whole era of, not era, um, you know, there's this tide sea change of organizing and books all over the place, life-changing magic of tidying up, about teaching us how to organize. And last night, I, I was thinking about a, a friend of mine, Anita Taylor, who back when I started my tech company and I was just feeling overwhelmed by all the paper, I had met her at a BNI meeting and she came and shadowed me for most of a day and watched how I worked. And then the rest of the day was spent creating systems to help me. I have to tell you, I still use a number of those systems today. And if Anita lived in Florida, I would have her over here now. Um, just helping me figure out how to organize all of the stuff from my mom's place, all those papers, and integrate them. So Anita is with us on the show today because I'm telling you, this woman changed my life decade ago plus, and I, she had to be here. So Anita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I love it. And I wish I were in Florida. You know you can import me. Okay, we're going to have to plan that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to travel. Definitely. Okay, cool. No problem whatsoever. And, and thank you so much, really, for that very nice introduction. Um, my goal in life is to simplify everyone's life and lives, including my own, hopefully. You know, when we first met at, at a BNI meeting, which I know you've been very, very involved with um, BNI for a lot of years and, you know, including you were assistant director of BNI and, and a lot of different roles there. But 
organizing is more than what you do. I think it's sort of who you are. You have a passion for helping people simplify. Where did that drive come from? Well, when I started my business, which was over 25 years ago, I really looked at what was the basis of all these things that I was doing. And where did I learn it? You know, it was it natural or whatever. I started to look at the family. My mother was one of 12. And I started to look at some of the aunts and how they handled things and that there was never a mess anywhere, any place. There was never a cluttered counter. There was, it was amazing. And it was just something I think that was inbred in them. Then as I kept moving on in my life, as I'm recounting this now at the beginning of my business, I realized that in my corporate life, I had lived with binders because I was a customer service rep. And the binders were my Bibles. If somebody called in for anything, all I had to do was reach for the proper binder, which was always up to date because that was necessary, and I could give them the information immediately. The other part of it was that I had a filing system. And one of my um, sales managers, many years later, after both of us had left Olin, I worked for Olin Chemical in Stanford, Connecticut. And he said to me, you know, it was amazing. You could give me the information I needed in 10 seconds. Well, there I was, organized, but never putting a label on it. Then I, I was very involved with Girl Scouting. And I became the president of the board. And we had committee after committee after committee. And I was ex-officio of all those committees. So I had a binder for each one of the committees so that if I needed information, I grabbed the binder as I went to the meeting. Everything was portable. It was very easy. There was no trying to get through lots and lots and lots of paper. So as I looked back and I realized how I had lived my life, not only as a child, watching my aunts, my mother, everyone being so organized, knowing where everything was, I then translated it into my corporate life, into my, my, uh, my volunteer life, and as well as going right into my business. So it was something that was ingrained. You know, what was the easiest way to do this? And the easiest way was to simplify, not to give yourself a lot of stuff. Because if you didn't have the stuff, you didn't have to deal with a big fat mess. So that was that was the beginning, and I think that was the birth or the the core, literally, of what happened when I started my business. Why? And then I learned more as I as I dealt with you. Remember, Laura, we talked about what was under the bed, and you know (laughs) why would we store things there? That type of thing. And I never forgot that with you. That was one of my main connections with you because it was an issue for you, and we resolved it, which was wonderful. Yeah, and that was thanks to Rose Lettieri, um, feng shui master and and friend of ours, who um, I'm hoping to get on the show sometime soon as well. You know, the whole idea that you don't put things underneath your bed that aren't happy kind of things Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't be cluttered. They should be organized. So we figured out where to put all those things when I was working with you. Why do you think it is? And and I think it's a bigger issue in America than it is in some other countries because we tend to accumulate more stuff. But I, I could be wrong. So since I have listeners in 60 countries around the world, I really want to hear your feedback about do you feel that clutter and disorganization in your office and in your lives is, is a big issue for you, for you wherever you are in, in the world? But, Anita, why, I, I, do, why do you think it is? that? I think it's a personal thing, Laura. I don't think it has anything to do with where we live 
or what our country is or what our set of circumstances are. If we are busy, busy people, we will have clutter in one way or another. Busy people, meaning we take on too many things. So if you're in a country where simplicity is, is literally inbred in you, you're not going to have that busyness. <clears throat> there will be a time when you sit and you relax. There isn't going to be the hustle bustle. Think about commuting people. You know, we lived in Fairfield County, both of us, and we see people who commute. They commute. They literally get on the train at 6 o'clock in the morning. They come home at 8 o'clock at night. What goes on in the middle of their day or in their – they've got all this stuff that they have to deal with. And businessmen looking at things on the train, not enjoying the ride, not being able to relax or maybe take a nap, but working, 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 working. So is it the pressure of your personal life? Yes, I really believe it is. If we talk about stay-at-home moms, which was a, was a taboo at one point <clears throat> in our lives because women needed to be out in the workforce – if you talk about stay-at-home moms, their job is huge because they take care of the commuter husband. They have to make sure that there's food on the table for the whole family. Or if it's not on the table, they have to figure out how he's going to take one child to one sports event. She's going to take another child to another sports event. So think about the papers the children bring home from school. And they're running out the door to do all these other activities. It's busyness. It's a lot of busyness that causes a lot of clutter. If your life calms down and you are able to be on an even keel, you have a business that you, you shut down. You, you leave your business. You walk away from your business at 5, 6 o'clock at night, and you go home and you have a life that isn't dictated by a lot of stuff you have simplified your life. But if you think about the busyness in the world, think about what we try to do. And today, these kids, I really almost feel sorry for them. I mean, I had a client once, literally, this little boy was eight or nine years old. He was a travel hockey child. He practiced four days a week, and his weekends were filled with games. One day, he went to religious education, and one day he had free. He was eight years old. That's, to me, much too much. And I understand the kid loved hockey, and he loved doing this. But I'm sorry. I really think that poor child needed a little bit more of a life at home with friends in the neighborhood or whatever. But we, we tend to keep busy. And the busier we are, the less all this other stuff comes in to play for us. And then when it does, when something is missed or something, a meeting is missed or a bill is not paid, then we get upset. And then what do we do? We try to organize it, but we've left it so full because of all our other activities that we, that now, now we're in a mess. Now okay. we have to figure out how do we organize it. Okay, so, Where does so, it go? so let's step back then from... The, the busy lives that so many of us have, a lot of my mm -hmm. listeners are entrepreneurs and they, they're juggling family, they're juggling their businesses. It doesn't end at five o'clock for most entrepreneurs. It keeps going. We're checking our phones. We're, we're doing all these different things that we have to do. If, you've got, if they've got kids, they're, as you said, juggling all of their schedules. Most um, women nowadays, or, or men, because there are house husbands too, there's typically not one person home all the time. What's something that an entrepreneur can start doing right away to help them take back control of their day versus the day <clears throat> controlling them? 
Well, you know, when I worked with very many entrepreneurial people and a lot of creatives too, by the way, and, you know, there's a mentality, I I almost want to say there's a label that creative people can't be organized, which is totally untrue. Creative people have a wonderful opportunity and you're going to find a lot of creative entrepreneurs. So you have to look at them and you have to look at their habits. What you said earlier today, tonight, or this in the conversation about me shadowing you. If you sit down and you look at what your systems are right now, you sit at your desk and you've got a pile of papers. What do you do with that pile of papers? You usually work from the top because that's the most important thing or that's the most current thing. But if you've got a big pile of papers and entrepreneurs always have a pile of papers, I don't care how tech oriented we are, paper is never going to go away. If you look at the pile of papers and you say, oh, my God, how am I ever going to get through this? The easiest way for any entrepreneur to attack any task is to set a timer. If you set a timer for 15 minutes, do not answer the phone. Turn off all of your notifications so you don't hear bing, bing, bang, bang. And then you do your 15 minutes. All of a sudden, you're going to say, I did this throw it away. Recycle it, please. I did that. Oh, no, no, I have to make a call. So now you have one pile next to you that are calls. The second pile might be action immediately. At the end of 15 minutes, you now have stuff that you've recycled, stuff that you have to approach as far as phone calls, and stuff that you have to handle. It could be a bill. It could be a client contract. It could be anything that's going to bring you money. And entrepreneurs, I have always said, follow the green in your office. If you have something that is going to make you money and it's in the middle of that pile, dig for it, find it, and act on it. So this is the key. So in small parts and pieces, when you deal with the pile, the very first day that you deal with the first 15 minutes, you work from the top. When you go to the next 15-minute segment, be that in that same day or the next day, you flip the pile and work from the bottom. It works faster from the bottom because there's a lot of stuff that's out of date. Meetings that you, were, that you went to that you just didn't bring that piece of paper with you, you can recycle it. This, the next day, you're going to go top, the next day bottom or the next time. And then finally, after you've done it four times, you cut it like a deck of cards and you go to the middle. You can literally destroy that pile. When you do this, however, don't cause yourself more grief by creating 15 more piles. Break them down into actions as to what needs to be done. That's the key as far as getting rid of paper on a desk or on a counter or on a dining room table, wherever it may be. And I agree with you, Laura, about entrepreneurs. It's 80-hour weeks. You wear every single hat. You do everything. But you'll get to the point where you're going to be able to delegate something. Get yourself an intern. Make sure that you have somebody who really wants to learn what you have in your business, and they will work for very little money or free as far as a recommendation. And I've had interns, and it's been wonderful. Great, great experience. Okay, so let me let me be sure I understand this method because I sort of remember this, but I also remember <laughs> something else you did um, with me that I want to make sure we talk about as well because I, okay. I, I know I need to recreate that again for me, but I can't figure out where to create it in the office. So you're saying take 15 minutes and mm-hmm. grab all the papers on your desk, basically create like one pile or something like that, and I, then sure organize that. that. Laura, I'm sure there are piles. Yes. You don't have to create the pile. 
Okay, I was just thinking, take all the paper on the desk, put it into one pile, take the first piece of paper, go throw out, urgent, whatever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then you've sort of streamlined it as an initial cut in 15 minutes. And then yeah. <clears throat> you take the urgent pile and you start going through it? Top, well, bottom? Not, it, it depends on what your schedule is for okay. the day. I mean, you don't want to disrupt your schedule. But in that urgent pile, you may find out that there's money in that pile. So do you want to work on that as soon as you're finished with your 15 minutes? I would, unless there was something much more pressing. See, the key is with time management, you have 24 hours in a day just like everybody else. Nobody is ever going to give you more time. It's the way you use your time. So if you use your time to a point where you know that you can move forward into more money or more even more rest and relaxation, whatever it may be that your your goal is, maybe you want to find another client. By doing this, you may enable yourself, urge yourself to go and get that next client. It depends on what your urgent pile is. I don't want people to get lost in this and say, oh, my God, you know, she told me to do that, and I went to that pile, and I missed a good meeting that I was supposed to be at. No, no, not that at all. So you have to block your day and figure out what your priorities are in your day. Literally, Laura, years ago, I worked with a young man who wanted me to help him arrange his schedule in 15-minute segments from 6 o'clock in the morning when he arrived at work till 4 o'clock in the afternoon when he left. And we did it. We did it. But what we did was we also built in reward time because he was so, so intense. I said, you need to have a break here. You need to be able to walk away from something. So when you look at the whole picture of every single day that you have, getting rid of clutter will do a whole bunch of things. It can make you money. It can relieve you. And the more you get rid of, the lighter your whole day is. When you walk in and you see a desk filled with paper, you get frustrated because where do you start? How do you get to where you need to be? Once you get through that whole pile, once you decide how you like things, oh, you know what? I really think that if I used a magazine holder for these big papers, that would be great. I could look at the spine of the magazine holder and not care about what people saw on my desk or what I see on my desk. You might want to use an in-out box for very important things that you don't want to lose. Your tools come into it after you've done the, the sort. And it's, it can be a rough sort. It doesn't have to be finite. But I'm telling you, follow the money in your office. And as far as home piles, follow the important meetings, you know, the, the things you have to sign for school for your children, you know, you have to send out a bill, whatever it may be. And then again, we will look at where is this comfortable for you so that when you see a particular item, be it an inbox, be it a basket hanging on the wall, what is that going to trigger in your mind? Oh, that's a bill I have to pay. Oh, that's a client I have to call. Whatever it would be, whatever your set of circumstances are, I don't want you to get lost in this. It's something that is going to be sort of, not a crutch, but um, i trying to think of the proper word. It's going to be almost as though somebody's pinching you. And once you get through that whole pile, pinches don't happen anymore because you won't do that. You'll create the system and you'll never get back to that pile. Now, when you had organized me initially, um, 
something that you had me do after I had created these piles. I'd forgotten this step, by the way. So this is a really good reminder for, for me. Um, you had, had me create, you created for me actually something called the tickler system. Oh, yes. Can, are you still using that? Do you still feel that is a, a great method for making sure you get stuff done on time? If you're faithful to it. Okay. If you're faithful to it. What it is, is the tickler system involves <clears throat> 31 folders for days. So one to 31. Or if you didn't want to do a 31 and you knew that you had months that were only 30, you did 30, 31 on that folder. So it could be 30 folders. Then you had one folder for each month. So today, and we're going to go the November route again, you would have seen the number 14. And you would pick up that, pick out the, you know, contents of that folder and you would look at them and you would say, oh, that's right, in two days I have to, you know, pay that tax bill, whatever it may be, or whatever was in the, the, that particular. You could even put a note in there to remind yourself that you have one week to get that project done, which is now in maybe folder number 18. You know, so you're going to give yourself tips and whatever you want. The idea is you take the contents of the folder, you put them on your desk, you take the folder, the physical number 14, and you move it to the back of the drawer. The back of the drawer now is going to have 1 through 13 and the month of November, okay, in, in front of it. So you keep doing this. You can also, when you use a tickler system, put things in certain months. Let's say you have a specific meeting you go to every March, and it's in the middle of March, but you don't have any days behind the month of March because you're not there yet. So you put it in the month. When you get to the month of March, you open up that folder, and you now can move all of those things that are in there into the days they need to be. So you can do it for a year ahead. You can do it for next November. Every November, I go to such and such meeting, and I want to remember next year to bring this item, or I want to speak about this topic. So that's only a reminder. But you must be faithful to the tickler. If you let the tickler go for two or three days, and you then have to go through three folders, which could be you know, a lot of paper, <clears throat> you're going to get frustrated. So it takes a while to get into the habit of the tickler. But what it does is it takes all those papers that we've just talked about. You know, oh, I've got to call Anita. Well, I'm going to call Anita next week. So now I'm going to put Anita in on the 21st. And on the 21st, that paper will come out, and I'm going to call her. I don't have to call her today. It's not urgent enough. But then... I have to call Rose, and if I have to call Rose earlier than that, I put her in another folder. And again, remember the weekends are in there too. So we have to be careful in a business situation. If you are not in your office on Saturdays and Sundays, we turn those days around so that you didn't see any number at all. So when you got to Friday, all of a sudden you saw these blank folders and you move them now to that to the back of the drawer so that you would not get confused about it. So that was another very very important piece. Okay. Let, a, let's a stop let's office. stop for one second. Okay. Um there there was a, another piece that I I just kind of remember. You were like you can't touch those pieces of paper more than 3 times. By the third time you have to decide <laughs> so like you can't yeah. move it from the 14th to the 15th to the 20th. That right. by the time you get to the 20th you have to decide 
all right, is this something that really needs to be done and mm-hmm. or, or not? And you have to handle it right then, correct? Excellent. And I also said to put a little pencil mark up in the right-hand corner. Right. I forgot the pencil mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, that's it. See, there's lots of little pieces to this. And right. once you get into the system, you will either love it or hate it. I mean, I, run, I ran into another woman I worked with many years ago. She's a, a VP of the hospital. And she literally says, and I still have my Dickler system because it was a good tool when you have a tremendous amount of paper that you can't get rid of. And, I mean, we're going to talk about scanning. You can scan anything, but you know what happens? People scan it, and then they print it. So don't bother scanning. Okay, is that that why this is so, um, you know, I want to make sure we we address those who are electronic, okay? Uh, Yes. I have so much stuff electronic. I put reminders. I I create appointments during my day, time blocking stuff. Okay, I'm going to work on this during the day. And then if something comes up or whatever, I, I just keep moving it, moving it, moving it. What, it. what do you say to somebody who is fully electronic who might be resistant as to why they, this, is, this will help them? Well, the thing is, again, I'm going to come back to this personal piece. If people don't want to handle paper, if people don't want to have a desk full of folders, because it turns out to be oh, 42 folders. If you don't want to have to deal with that, then let's come up with something else that's going to make you happier. If you are electronic and you avoid, what happens to that item? Where does it go? Where do you put it? Where, what limbo does it go into? See, there's the other answer. It all comes back to a personal preference. If you like to work only with your technology, God bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. However, how do you address those things? There's no little tick marks that you're going to put on there. You're not going to put a pencil mark on it. You're not going to touch it. You are going to ignore it or you're going to do it. You don't have those three times, Laura. It doesn't work, I don't think, in technology that easily. I think ignoring the item is probably the prevalent thing to do, which could hurt your business. I don't know. I mean, I don't know because I'm not dealing with somebody who is working with it. So when you have something on your computer or on your tablet or on your laptop or on your phone, what do you do when you see that item come up and you don't want to do it? Where do you put it? I think we need to reach out to our listeners to let us know. So tweet out to at the Laura Stewart or you can email me Laura at laurastewart.com comment on the the post if you're listening to the podcast electronically how are you handling when you keep ignoring things reminders that come up because something else come up um let's let's see what they have to say well here's the other concept it's either pain or pleasure all right let's talk about pain or pleasure what will that item that you ignore do for you will it hurt you or will it make you happy one or the other there's no in between So if you ignore it, how much pain will it give you when you ignore it? Is it going to come back and bite you, in other words? Literally. When you move a piece of paper, you can physically see. I'm not not trying to get away from the technology end of it. But when you physically have a piece of paper in your hand, it's going to do something to you. You're going to decide right then and there, well, I don't want to do this. And that's fine. But when will you do it? 
we have to, and especially as entrepreneurs, remember, we are in control of our businesses. We're the ones who decide whether we're going to be successful in whatever we choose. So is that piece of paper going to lead us to more success or is it going to hurt us by making us move backwards by not doing it? In technology, how do you do that? How do you make it? I mean, you know, you can put alarms on it. You can, you can do anything you want with it. You can color code it. You can do whatever to make you look at it. But who, who is going to help you work on that piece? Who's going to pinch you? Is the tickler going to pinch you? You don't want to do that? That's fine. There's no problem with that. But in the long run, how will you benefit or be hurt by not doing that item? And I think that's the key. And remember, follow the green is what I said. Is it going to make you money? Is it going to bring you closer to a client that you've been trying to get to for two months, three months? Is it going to have a contract signed so that you literally will start a project that you've really wanted to do? What is the whole goal behind this? I mean, it's not just a piece of paper. There's a lot connected to this. And it's the same way on technology. You have to look at what the action is going to do for you, pro or con. I love that. That's what will ignoring the item give you, pain or pleasure, and follow the green, follow the impact. What's going to move your, your needle forward? Exactly. Okay, now you mentioned home office, home as well, when I took you down this tangent of, of the tickler and a couple of other things. So if somebody's working from their home, what are some things that they need to be thinking about? <laughs> First of all, they have to get rid of the isolation. I really feel that's very, very necessary. If they're going to do any kind of a time management situation, they have to figure out a way that they're going to reach out and touch somebody. I mean, not physically touch them, but they can call them or they can meet them for a cup of coffee or they can have a live chat. They can do whatever they want. I think that's extremely important because what happens to entrepreneurs who are home-based, they become extremely isolated. That's why BNI was so good for people because they got out and they got to meet other business people. And it's a benefit. And it didn't take long. Again, timing is everything. When you're an entrepreneur and you're home-based, you can't walk away from your office. I don't care if you close the door. I don't care if you turn off the light. There's still a thought of, oh, my God, i got one more thing to do. I'm going to go in there, and then you're caught up in it. So you have to be very careful how you handle yourself in a home-based business. You can be isolated in an office as well if you're a, a solopreneur and there's no one around you. But I think the concept of physically getting up, getting dressed, going to the office is a different dynamic than walking into your office in your PJs And as long as you look good from the neck up, you can do a live chat. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a totally different concept. So you have to be much more stringent in what you do if you want to succeed as a home-based entrepreneur. It's not an easy task, but it can be done. I mean, I've done it all my life. I mean, basically, I've always had a business of some sort, even when I wasn't in this business. But it takes a lot of direction on your own part. Nobody is there to pinch you. Nobody is there to push you unless you have a coach and the coach says, okay, here's your goal. Who set your goals? You have to set your goal and it should be a goal for every single day. What am I going to accomplish today? What is, what are the top three things I need to do today to move my business forward? That's the best advice I can give to a solopreneur at home. 
one of my previous guests, Ryan Lee, um, he lives in New Canaan, Connecticut. He does a daily email and he has many programs and products that he offers. And every morning he gets up, grabs his um, laptop bag that has like a little portable office in it. And he goes to a local coffee shop Mm -hmm. and he spends an hour or two there in the morning and boom, he is so incredibly productive because he's there, that's his workspace, and then he goes back home, does things that he needs to do. He has an office in his house, but he's compartmentalized and set up a habit, it sounds like, that you're talking about of here's where I'm working and when I'm here, this is what I'm doing. And he's got his plan for the day on what he's going to do while he's there. And I, I'll tell you, a lot of people who do daily things or who are bloggers, bloggers end up if they are if they're they want they want to be kind to themselves. They'll sit down and have ten topics in mind before they even start their first blog, and then if they're really really clever, they will have five or six blogs complete before they even go forward for the first one being published. Because, again, it's a discipline. If you ha- and I think that every entrepreneur has to have some kind of discipline, because if you don't, you won't succeed. You can't run by the seat of your pants as an entrepreneur, because there's nobody there to catch you. You're the only one. You're your own lifesaver. So if you turn around and you have the kind of discipline that Ryan has and you go to that coffee shop every morning, you have established not only a habit, but you've established something that is feeling good to you. So his, his, his environment is good for him. A lot of people here go to our library, and they'll go in and they'll get, take a table, and they'll work at that table. Again, it's, it's something where you are not, not driven, but you feel comfort. Then you can go back and you can do the nitty-gritty of your stuff in your own office. Because you've accomplished what that big goal was for the day, and that was to do his daily email. So again, if you set goals, you can change your goals. They can modify. They can be thrown away, just like recycling a piece of paper. That's the other part of this. You can't be unkind to yourself. You've got to realize there's got to be a comfort level in what you do, or else you can't succeed. Because you'll never project what you want if you're unhappy. And by forcing yourself to do something, no good. So your goals can be flexible. Nothing ever should be rigid. Nothing. Not your paper system. If you don't like the system, we change it and go to another system that's good for you. That's why I keep saying it's personal, Laura. Some people can embrace the tickler and think it's a great thing. Some people look at it as an albatross and say, what are you doing to me? I mean, I can't handle that. So it's all in how that person looks at that particular item. Law of attraction, if you want to call it that. That tickler is not attracting me. <laughs> yeah, but and, and it's very stationary and, and yeah. everything. So, I mean, we have to be adaptable, too. And the best part about this, and I really truly say this to all my clients, if this system doesn't work for you, then we can't embrace the system for you. We need to find something else that's more comfortable. Because remember, you said I shadowed you. I watched how you worked. And that's the key to being able to help someone. You have to see what they do, not what they tell you. You can tell me anything you want to tell me, but unless I see how you work. I watched one man. This was so cute. I'll never forget this as long as I live. He had a storefront. And he had certain things in certain places. 
And he literally, in this one process, did a complete circle. And I looked at him and I said, do you realize what you just did? You started at point A, you went to point B, you went to point C, you went to point D, you got back to A again. You have literally, so we moved things. We physically moved things so that when he had the process that he had to do, he went to A, B was right next to it, and C was there, and he came back to the counter. It's, it's an observation, and it's somebody looking at your business or looking at the way you work and realizing that it's not productive. But because you're so entrenched in it, you don't see it. Right. So sometimes you need another set of eyes to look at you. And it's not that you're not successful. It's not that you're not <clears throat> phenomenal in what you do. It's none of those things. It's all in the process of, oh, my goodness, I see what you're saying. Literally, I had another client, and they had moved furniture in her home office. But they didn't move this one particular thing. So in order for her to use it, she had to get up from her desk, walk around the entire desk, and it was a big desk and a big piece of furniture, walk all the way around it and go to that particular piece. And I looked at her and I went, why is, why is that over there? Oh, well, we never turned it around. If she had turned it around, she physically could have been in her chair and touched it. So it wasn't just to get her exercise and get her up and moving multiple times a day. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I sat there and I, I went, what? I mean, my mouth dropped because bright, wonderful, exciting woman. She was fabulous, very successful. But here was a time waster for her. And that's the other thing. If you want to talk about time, think about your time wasters. What do you do? If you're a, you're a home-based entrepreneur, how many times do you go to the kitchen for a little snack? or a cup of coffee, or a cup of tea, or maybe even a glass of water, because you want to get away from your desk. It's sort of like we get so used to discomfort that we don't see the option that might be right in front of us for comfort. And I'm not talking about that discomfort of stretching yourself. I'm mm -hmm. talking about this, that discomfort <clears throat> of, oh, God, this is so annoying, i got to go do that again. But we don't stop and go, well, how can I stop doing that? How can I improve the process? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people get coaches. And I'm a quasi-coach. I'm not certified as a coach. But because of my experience in my business, people have always told me that I was a coach. Well, yeah, because you, you actually help the mindset stuff. I know for me, I was really excited yeah. about the things. But when you started talking to me about a few things, I was like, no. And then, you know, like we had to work through what was my no, Mm -hmm. In order exactly. to release it and go, oh, all right, I get it now. <laughs> and, and again, we're going to come back to pain or pleasure. Is it something you talked about a comfort level? <clears throat> the comfort level is your pleasure aspect. You don't want to, you don't want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. If, if you feel that this is the way you should sit at your desk every single day, then you have to do that. However, this man who goes to the coffee shop every day knows that he can't do at his desk what he does at that coffee shop. So that's a point of comfort and pleasure for him. So again, it comes back down to pain or pleasure. As I said, if it doesn't work, you have to change it. Whatever it is, I mean, that, that file cabinet or whatever it was, I think it was a file cabinet they hadn't turned around, was the silliest thing I ever saw because this office was gorgeous. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful setup. And it meant just moving it. 
It wasn't like it was, you know, you had to change the world in order to fix something. And I think that's the other part about simplifying. If we look at a process and we say, how can I simplify that? What are the steps that I take? And you write down all the steps that you take to do that particular thing. And you say, okay, I've just written down 10 things to accomplish that one. Do I need 10? Can I get away with eight? Can I make it in five? What is it that I do? <clears throat> and it could be anything. Again, we talked about walking around the desk. We talked about going in a circle, not realizing what we were doing because you don't analyze those things. Those to you are normal. But for somebody who is looking at you, who's never seen you do this, it's not a normal. It's not a norm. It is something that can be streamlined and simplified. Simplifying your life is the best thing you can do. If you can take a piece of paper from an envelope and you can decide whether it goes into recycle bin right away or into a tickler or into an inbox for further action, you now have simplified that paper stream. But how many people do that? Where do you open your mail? How much do you recycle right away? I open my mail right over my recycle bin just that's the key. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference. I want to touch on on something that you you keep tickling around and it it it's just bubbling up in my head because you know you just talked about the recycle bin and going through your mail that way. Somebody who is listening to the show and wants to walk into their office or a part of their house, it doesn't matter. It could be your your clothes closet. It could be the junk drawer. It could be the garage. Mm-hmm. Is there a trick, is there a, a mind thing you can do to help you purge the items? <clears throat> okay, let's take, let's take a kitchen counter. It's an easy one. Kitchen counter has appliances on it. Kitchen counter might have a box of tissues on it. It might have a loaf of bread on it. It might have, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to, a fruit. It could have a basket of fruit. It could have spatulas for the stove. It could, right. all those kind of things. Okay, cooking. so let's say point of use. Let's use point of use because this is a very, very good piece. When you have something like a spatula and you're going to use it on the stove or near the stove, it should be located near the stove, not across the room, not across on another counter that's, three feet away. You want it right there next to you. The drawers that are on either side of the stove should hold utensils that are going to be used either to mix or to cook with or whatever, pot holders, I don't care what you have. The idea is that you take the items and you do point of use. So you look at something and you say, where do I use this? And that's where you keep it, closer to that point. Recently, I gave away um, a KitchenAid mixer that I had been given as a, a sort of a, a secondhand gift because I realized that I was never going to use the thing. It, first of all, it was so heavy that I couldn't, I, I, I found a, a place for it, but I couldn't see myself using it. So I gave it to somebody I knew who would use it. There's another way to handle whatever's on your counter that you don't use. My rule of thumb is if you use it up to four or five times a week, it earns its way onto a kitchen counter. So if you're a toaster person, the toaster should be there. If you are a coffee drinker, the coffee pot should be there. But don't put things on your counter that you use once a year 
or once a, a holiday because it takes up prime real estate. So if you look at that as a benchmark for any single spot, think garage. If you have stuff in the garage that you don't use except once a year, where are you going to put it in the garage? You're not going to put it in a spot where you want to access something quickly. So again, point of use is number one. Frequency of use is number two. And you can use that in every single situation. I'll take the closet. The closet. How many sizes are in the closet? How many sizes in reality are you ever going to wear? And if you lose that 20 pounds, are you going to like those clothes (laughs) that are 20 pounds down? No. So recycle them now. Recycle them now. Put the clothes in the closet that are stain-free, haven't missed a button. There's no repair needed. Anything that is ready to wear immediately goes into your closet. If it has a stain, take it to stain. If it's missing a button, take it out and have either you or somebody else put the button on. If it needs another kind of repair, bring it to a tailor, a cleaners, whatever, and have them repair it. Then it can return. But you don't want any more than what you can actually put on your back immediately. If you use that rule of thumb in your closet, believe me, half your stuff is going to be gone. Very easy. Very simple. The other thing is when you donate something, only donate something that you would be willing to wear. So if you have spots or stains all over something, you know, then get rid of it. Recycle it to, you know, as a rag or whatever it is. But don't give it to somebody else. Don't insult that person. My mom would want. My mom volunteered for over 16 years at the St. Vincent de Paul thrift shop here in Vero with mm-hmm. this lovely group of women, Carolyn and Mary and Mary Allison, and just so many amazing women. And she was in the back room where they take all of the donations. And we all joke that mom worked back there because she wanted to see the stuff before it went out. It was really all about shopping yeah. <laughs> for her, you know, because my mom loved to shop. That was something that we always did together. The stuff, though, that they would see sometimes that people would bring in. It's like they would empty a house and put these garbage bags together. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've been there a couple of times where they open the bags and the smell is horrible. Uh-huh. The clothes aren't even clean. There's roaches and bugs in the bag. And, uh-huh. and, and it just it's like the thrift shop is not a garbage dump. No. So I'm so but glad that's what people will do. I'm that's so glad you said will. that because they'll well, just. Well, you be- know what? The other thing is, is that, and this is the hardest part, is when a parent dies or when a spouse dies, even a child. I mean, I don't care what the death is. It could, but it's family. It's somebody who's very close to you, somebody you really loved, and it's a very, very difficult thing to clear a house. I have found that in the 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 wake of elderly people dying. The adult children, and Laura, I know you're not doing this, so it's not meant for you. We'll pull up a dumpster, and we'll throw everything in the dumpster without any thought. They don't donate. They don't cull. They don't say, gee, that's a really nice piece of furniture. I remember I'm Joni like that. We should give that to her. They don't do that. And it kills me because there is so much value in the smallest things. Years ago, and I don't, I don't know, Laura, if you were a member of EWN. Were you a member of EWN? I, I was. Okay. Every year for many, many, many years, and I can't even remember her name. It's, that's so funny. But she would have us collect 
all of the shampoo samples that you get at hotels and all that stuff. And she would take the bag, this huge bag, because we had a big collection of people in that group, and we would all save it for her. Every time we went to a hotel or we went anywhere, we would save the shampoos and the conditioners and, and whatever else, the soaps that, that they had. And she would bring it to a battered woman shelter. So let's think about those women. They leave in fear. They get to this place. They don't even have a hairbrush. They don't have a toothbrush. Think about what you can do in that sense for people. When you go through somebody's things that are still viable and still good, that's where it should go. There are homes for all the things that you will find in anybody's house. I mean, food banks will take food canned goods and, and box goods as long as they're not open. I mean, think about how many people you could help by doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And again, I always talk to people about downsizing. A lot of elderly people go into assisted living <clears throat> or even into a retirement community where they have small apartments. Well, they can't take a 10-room house full of stuff with them. So you go through and you say, okay, what is it that you absolutely love? You have to love the item. That's the key to this. And they'll say, I can't live without this. And I'll say, okay, well, why don't we figure out where it can go in that apartment? We've got the dimensions. Let's measure it out and see if it'll fit. If it doesn't fit, did anybody ever say they really like that piece? Oh, yeah, my granddaughter. Oh, my God, she loved this. So maybe we find out that it can fit. Maybe we find out it can't fit. If it doesn't, then we have a place for it to go. Now, the idea of, and this is people I'm talking about, not people in their 70s. I'm talking about people in their late 80s and 90s. They connect those things in their homes with their identity. And if you take that away from them, you're taking their identity away. So you have to, you have to honor them. And Laura, you are honoring your mother by doing what you're doing, going through piece by piece and deciding who should get something like this. That's the whole concept of clearing a house, doing an estate situation, you know, doing whatever, or even downsizing part of it is that you have to go through. Now, let's say you go through this and Laura, it's going to be, this is going to be personal to you. And you find something that brings back all kinds of memories like that ashtray. You're not going to keep the ashtray, but you might take a picture of it. Well, right now I'm keeping the ashtray. <laughs> it's, it's just very <laughs> okay, emotional, you know. So I um, understand, and you're entitled, and you should. You see, this is the whole point. It's all permission-based. Yeah. You have my permission, Laura, to keep <laughs> anything you want. Yeah, as I'm but sitting here crying in the radio station. Okay. Well, you know, the thing that I'm saying to you is that there, there's a lot of emotion there. It's very raw, and it's very new for you. But the idea of this is your mother is living through all of those things for you. Your dad is living through that ashtray for you. So now you get to something and you say, well, I don't have room for this. And I know she loved it, but I can't do this. But I want a memory of this. You take a picture of it. Right. Take a picture of it in such a way. And then you take that picture, you put it in a scrapbook, and you journal about the piece once you put it in the scrapbook. That will help you more than anything at all more than anything you can't even begin to imagine because you're going to always have that peace with you even though it's not physically there. I have to tell you that if it wasn't for my friend Ginny Murphy of Star Pilates and, and Bobby Gavanis, Marketing Maven, um, who have been at the condo with me while I was doing it, I wouldn't have gotten through it. 
You know, I know that. I know that it's a very, very difficult time. It's very still, difficult. you know, just overwhelming. But um, see, everybody, I show my emotions. You know, <laughs> every, you but know, you know that as we've done the show, you know it's it's about reality. That's, you know, and you know what? Somebody said to me the other day, "You need to cry. You yeah. need to cry, no matter what it is. It it is a release. It is a relief, and it works for you. Yeah. It's, it's it's there's something in your system that says, okay, these tears have got to come out now, and yeah. they do, and that's okay." And um, I'm looking here's at my, that. Here's my permission again. I'm giving you permission. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. I really appreciate that. Um, we're running out of time for the show today. I want to make sure people can find out how to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. So please sh- okay. share how people can find you. All right. Well, there are a way. I love it that you invited me today on LinkedIn because that was so cute. I thought that was so funny. I went, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be able to to even talk to Laura on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. Um, I I have uh, a website that is, and I'll spell it for you. It's A-N-I-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Um, I could be reached through that, but the easier way to do it would be to take my email address, and I will spell it again, A-N-I-T-A-Y-L-O-R-321 at gmail.com. I will give you a phone number if you like to call me because I do organizing over the phone. It's 203-259-9649. And I think those are the three easiest ways for you to reach me. Perfect. And then if you look on my website, you'll see that I have a book called Anita's Book. Yes, and you have about a minute, less than a minute to talk about that because I think it's really cool. Well, the binder binder is where you centralize all your important documents. It's very, very important. We talked about binders before. But you want to simplify your life and put it all in one place, and this is the place. And that's all I'll say, and that'll be that. To To me, that's the Anita's Go Book. And I used a lot of those concepts um, when I was evacuating mom and I for Hurricane Irma living here in Florida. You need your own go book. Thank you so much for for being here today, Anita. It's it's so great to have you on the show and everything that you shared. Well, call me again. I'd love to do it again. We'll talk about some other stuff. Yeah, you have so much, so much stuff to share. It's I, I love Anita. She helped me so much way back when I started my company, and I still use a lot of those techniques. She's got some um, interesting stuff up on, on the website right now, but it's worth even a 30-minute call with Anita to get some help, everybody. But um, at the end of the day, you have to be willing to make the shift. So remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. And people like Anita Taylor and my other guests can help you do that. Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love and uh, see you next week. Thank you, Laura. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 